Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Playlist Podcast and all other Playlist Podcast network programs are sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema streaming a selection of exceptional independent, classic, and award-winning films from around the globe. Mubi's film experts handpick every film they show. Each day they present a new gem and you have one month to watch it. Plans start as low as five ninety nine a month. Visit mubi.com slash the playlist to start a special 30-day free trial. Movie's current highlights include a nine-film series spotlighting contemporary Argentine cinema, a collection of fascinating, uncompromising, and utterly original films that defy all expectations, redefine low-budget cinema, and are certainly 100% made in Argentina. They also have a trio of early Hitchcock films, and finally, their latest special discovery just released today. It's Yuzri Nasrallah's Brooks Meadows and Lovely Faces. The film is showing exclusively on Mubi. Once again, visit mubi.com slash the playlist to start a special 30-day free trial. Now, on to the show. You're listening to The Playlist Podcast, a discussion about film news and other related film and television items. I'm Ryan Oliver, and today I'm joined by Playlist Editor-in-Chief Rodrigo Perez to discuss the news regarding the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie in the works at Lucasfilm. We share our thoughts on the project and also manage to squeeze in some chatter about Justice League, as well as director Jordan Vogt Roberts' War on CinemaSins. I'll now drop you into our conversation about this new Star Wars project. Well, I think the best place to start would be this uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, because, you know, when a Star Wars movie is announced, it's always uh, a big deal uh, in, well, not just this day and age, pretty much ever since Star Wars has existed, but there's um, talks of an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie in the works that Stephen Daldry is apparently going to direct. Um, I don't know, what are your thoughts? Like, do we need an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie? Um, Do do you want it? Is this exciting? What, what, What do you think? Yeah, I mean, lots lots of thoughts. I mean, first of all, Stephen Daldry, really? <laughs> yeah, is there going to be a lot of just like slow moving? Uh, yeah, that'd be. I don't know. It's it's. Really I mean, are are they just setting themselves up again for like another bunch of reshoots and having to retool the entire movie? And or was like, were they thinking like Ron Howard was like a really exciting name for Han Solo or something? And then they had to like try and top that. <laughs> I, I guess so. I don't know. Maybe they're like, oh, you know, Ron Howard's really hip with those kids. You know who else is really hip? Stephen Daldry. Let's go. Let's go with that. I mean, no disrespect. He's made movies that I've really, really liked. But uh, yeah, that's just a strange, uh, strange choice. Well, I don't I honestly don't think I have liked the Stephen Daldry movie since Billy Elliot. And I don't think there's been one since. Oh, interesting. I like the hours, but um, I'd say. Oh, true. The hours is pretty good. I have to. I haven't seen that in a long time. I need to revisit it. Nicole Kidman's makeup was so distracting. Yeah, that's, that's fair. But I do like that movie. But anything after that, like especially the reader, incredibly, uh, incredibly loud and what is it? Extremely, extremely loud and extremely incredibly, loud, close. incredibly close. That's what it was. Okay, yeah, that one. Not a not a fan. Um, and then he did another one with Rooney Mari called, I believe it was Trash, and it like basically was trash and went straight to VOD. Oh, I didn't even know about this <laughs> wow. exactly i mean he just made a whole movie and with rooney mara right like that's a big deal it is a big deal um 
and uh, it was really looked over. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so Daldry, uh, Obi-Wan, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings. Well, first of all, like, you know, Daldry, I just don't think he's, I don't know what he's going to bring to it. He's never done material like this is, is the idea that he can bring a sort of regal aesthetic to Obi-Wan. And then the idea is that like so many directors these days, um, they rely on their DPs and their teams and their previs and everything for like action. So you've never really directed action before you know, Marvel seems to be like that, where they can really help people out and, and really help them. And I guess I guess maybe one could say the Billy Elliot stuff could could, could add like a balletic uh, aspect to, um, uh, you know, Obi-Wan and, and, and fight scenes and things like that. I don't know. That would be probably be. But, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of action experience. Doesn't have any temple experience. Doesn't have any blockbuster experience. And I guess less these days, it's less and less important. But it's still a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, unless I wonder if you put like some big take on the on the, you know, to to Lucas film and pitch something that they really liked. Um, then again, so did uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and so did um, uh, uh, Gareth Edwards. And you know, we'll see how those turned out. Right. But um, I guess my second thought is. Why do we need – why is Star Wars filling in all the holes of everything and sort of peeling back the mystery of everything? I agree with that because that's the sort of one of the, the – other than the you know terrible writing and the, the bad CGI, that was kind of the biggest complaint level that the prequels, was it not? That like you know, you're, you're peeling back the mystery of Darth Vader whereas like you, mm-hmm. you don't really care or you shouldn't care where he came from. The, the fact of the matter is he just he exists he's scary he's this embodiment of the dark side of the force uh we don't really need to know what he was like as as a little kid um i mean pat oswalt has a really great stand-up bit about uh that and so they're they're doing the same thing where they're doing that with han solo doing it with obi-wan kenobi uh you know we don't need the you know the muppet babies version of of either of these characters like they're just they they exist and and I, and I've been making these this complaint pretty much ever since the Han Solo movie was announced that you know Star Wars is this vast huge universe that hasn't mm-hmm. been fully explored and so the the idea with these spin-off movies was to you know go kind of make things maybe not necessarily in different genres as we learned with the Han Solo fallout that it wasn't Star Warsy enough but at least different right. stories would be nice even if they're going to be in the same like style of shooting and the same look the same at least like tell us some stories that we haven't seen before and by going back and like doing the Han Solo doing the Obi-Wan I just feel like you know they're they're gonna they're gonna paint themselves into a corner yeah faster yeah. than than you know than you could blink your eyes so I, I I don't know why we're insistent on going back and revisiting the past when there's so much more you can do with this material Right. I think part of it is it's the, the, the IP, the brand. Like if you're going to do Star Wars, you have to kind of – I think they feel obligated to tell uh, stories with characters that people know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, uh, I'm sure if they had the ability um, to do so with those actors' ages, I'm sure they would love to tell stories of what happened between Return of the Jedi and, uh, um, you know, uh, The Force Awakens and, and – not even necessarily big stories. You could just do kind of like further adventures of like, you know, what happened. Uh, I think there's a comic book or a novel or something about that, about Han Solo and, and some of the crew on Endor in Return of the Jedi before. I, there was like a sort of a uh, – I read something somewhere about um, 
like a separate adventure sort of story there. Um, so the interesting things that you can do like that, but obviously they can't tell that story because those actors are too old unless they tried to recast them, which would be awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's like not going backward in the past with a younger actor. It's going forward. I mean, I suppose they could do it. I mean, they could, they could certainly do it with Obi-Wan. Totally. Um, which, which we don't know yet. We should mention it hasn't been stated whether or not Ewan McGregor will play him. Um, that yeah. hasn't been confirmed. Um, I think that's speculated, largely speculated that he'll be the person coming back and playing him, but, uh, has not been confirmed. I, I think they're going to be, um, considering all angles before they go straight back to him honestly right Um, because of the the baggage that comes with those movies yeah yes and he's not particularly good in them i mean and that's sort of hard to get over even if you think well george lucas directed them that's why he's not any good in them they're terrible movies um so you can look at it that way and and be like well ewan mcgregor is a fine actor and i'm sure given the right uh, you know, director and, and material, he can really knock it out of the park or you could go, well, there's a stigma here because the, those movies are just bad. So I really think they're just trying to weigh things out and maybe even like I'm, they've had conversations with Ewan McGregor. That's clear. Mm-hmm. And I think Lucasfilm, the group is within themselves, like going like, well, how about this guy? And how about this guy? Would he be better? And I think they're like considering people and talking amongst themselves and had like, you know, with you and being like, yes, we're, we're definitely considering this and having those conversations, but having also side conversations about maybe someone who might be better or engage the audience in a different way. Totally. Um, Well, and he's also like, you know, I know you mentioned that, that he's, those movies are terrible, which, which they are, but uh, a lot of people will, will, will argue that he's one of the better things about those movies. So I think there's, there's, there, I agree that I think they're considering all angles, but I think they'd also be content choosing him because I think a lot of people do really like him in that role, despite the movies themselves being pretty rough. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think they're in a tough spot with this one. I, I honestly, I think, I kind of think that Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy and wants to sort of uh, move on from, I mean, as much as they're using some of the same uh, uh, stories and characters and stuff like that, I think they really want to move on from the Lucas era um, of those of those casts and that you know that stuff. Like, I mean, could you imagine doing another adventure story within the Phantom Menace? I don't like that era or or any of the, the prequels. I don't think anyone would want to do it. Yeah, do you want to see a Gungan universe movie or anything like or, that? Or or even if you tried to tell like another. I don't know. You could, I mean, they are certainly in the clone wars. They tell all these adventures of Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin before, um, you know, before the events of Re- revenge of the Sith, they tell lots of sort of adventures that they do and things like that. Mm-hmm. And people um, seem to like that show. I've never watched it, but like, like very big star Wars fans, uh, at least that in, in my life told me that, Hey, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. And you know, what's, I mean, I guess if you consider, I mean, we're getting a little bit really dorky here, um, I do want to get back to the point about um, sort of the inevitability of these these uh, these stories and why they're telling them. But to to pivot as in a kind of like really dorky kind of way, um, you know, like those shows are everything's not considered canon anymore except for uh, I think it's Star Wars Rebels and um, those Clone Wars. Those are considered canon, and everything that's come in the past, all those like you know the Timothy Zahn books and uh, multiple different comics and things like that 
they sort of like uh, excommunicated all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when, when the Force Awakens came, they sort of rebooted their universe in a way and declared like these are the things that are canon and everything else or not, you know. And yeah. I think, for example, like some of the new comic books that they've created, like I think they made a, a pre-Rogue One comic book and things like that. Um, those are obviously canon, but, um, so a lot of stuff isn't, uh, anyhow, my long winded point is in the star Wars rebels, um, uh, uh, animated series, there is a appearance of Obi-Wan and, um, it is, um, it is, it sounds kind of dumb and it probably is, but, um, uh, Darth Maul comes back. He's resurrected. Oh yeah. I heard about this. Silly. Yeah, so and I guess that's considered canon now. I thought at one point it wouldn't be, um, but Darth Maul comes back and he comes to Tatooine to kill Luke, and um, uh, Obi Wan is waiting for him, and they have a battle, and and spoiler, Obi Wan kills him, and kills him for good. I guess this time, I think he, I think he was resurrected as a clone or something. He comes back as a clone of himself, um, but uh, they battle on Tatooine as. Uh, as Darth Maul uh, tries to to uh, kill Luke, and, and he kills him, but he kills him as as an old Obi Wan. It's supposed to be like from the era that we saw Obi Wan in in A New Hope. You know, there's probably about 18 years between uh, Revenge of the Sith and and A New Hope because uh, Luke Skywalker is born obviously at the end of Revenge of the Sith and Star Wars A New Hope. He's around 18, 19, 20 years old, something like that. Um, so, you know, that's the time period in between. So it's like two decades. And, uh, I guess this, this, uh, story would tell something in between those two decades of what Obi-Wan is doing. And we know that essentially his mission is to just overlook and, uh, watch over Luke from afar on Tatooine. And he's probably living like a monk, uh, by himself off in the, uh, the wastelands or whatever it's called. I forget the name of the 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 sort of wastelands that in the desert that he's supposedly living in um uh and uh you know presumably he has to like go pee and get some food and leave the house occasionally and and maybe that's where he gets into some adventures and things like that yeah i mean i i would maybe maybe with uh stephen daldry directing it it would be something of that (laughs) that scale it's not this massive adventure it's just him having to take a whiz at (laughs) In town. <laughs> that would be well, a- no, no, I don't mean like, you know, I'm being facetious, obviously, I know. but, but, but like, you know, in terms of scale, yeah, it can be sort of, I'm sure I would assume it's going to be smaller scale. And I think that's okay. Like, I think there's probably, I, I would assume uh, my guess is something like there's going to be more people trying to take out Luke and, you know, it's his job to, to prevent them from doing so. And I'm sure there's going to be some sort of like, maybe some sort of kind of like existential, what am I doing here? I have, I'm spinning my wheels. There's nothing I can do. Maybe he goes into different cities, different towns, and then he gets into like, you know, trouble or something or he spots trouble or who knows, but um, they're going to have to figure that out. Uh, now that it's officially happening, I wonder if they do have a screenplay or a story. Maybe it's just kind of in the, yes, we know our, our basic story. This is what we're going to do kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they try and do there. What yeah, do you think? I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really not interested, I guess. But, <laughs> but, um, but I like the idea of uh, of it being smaller scale. If that were to be the case, um, I know you and I weren't huge fans of Spider-Man: Homecoming. I know that seems random, but like the one thing that I did appreciate about that movie is how smaller scale and uh, like 
scaled back it was compared to a lot of these like big uh marvel movies and so um if they were to take that approach where there's kind of like maybe like a minimal level of action and it's character driven i i think that would interest me more but but i still do find it really unnecessary to go back and tell the story it's like you know we don't need to fill in the gaps we know we now know what happened you know we know that he dropped luke off at uh Owen and Peru's and we know he's watching over him and really that's that's it <laughs> that's that's about you it you know you know scale is a scale is a really interesting thing because it really shouldn't matter it's meaningless in a way if you're doing your filmmaking right if you're telling your story right think about the dark knight which sounds feels like an epic movie mm-hmm. but it's really about the soul the, the battle for a soul of a city between two men it's true um so you could think of it as uh, the battle for Tatooine, which is just one. No, sorry, that's a planet. But let's say one city in in uh, um, on Tatooine. You know, that's all that movie is. But it feels because the stakes are gigantic because of the filmmaking, right? The sure. motion, the psychology of everything that's in there, like this big morality play, and, and it it's it's absolutely uh, its scale, its emotional, its moral scale is gigantic. Um, so like I, I, when people say this scale, that it should be this, but it's just really how you make your characters and how you tell your story and what kind of real stakes you make. The stakes don't have to be whether the world is going to live or die or that explode. That's the, that's the, the fallacy, the mistake of Hollywood. You know what I mean? Sure. I agree with you Uh, there. And, and I do think, uh, and maybe that's just what I'm referring to, um, because that, that is the way that a lot of these seem to go. Um, yes, but, absolutely. But, yeah, but you're you are right. I mean, like your large scale. Uh, I mean, you know, haven't seen the movie yet, but look at something like I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine looks massive in terms of scale, but it's probably going to be like the stakes are probably going to be a bit higher. They're going to be a little bit like the morals are going to be there. It's going to be you know, hopefully this is all speculation, but um, it just seems that they're they're doing that right, and so. Yeah, as long yeah, as you're, I mean, as long as you're as long as you're doing right by your characters and your story and the the actual like weight of what the characters are feeling have stakes, then yeah, by all means, go go whole hog on the scale of the filmmaking. Sure, department. it's just but, human scale and human stakes, right? Right. Like think like Dennis Villeneuve is doing Blade Runner, and uh, and and when you think about it, Blade Runner's uh, stakes, the original are the scale is actually human size it's it's world is gigantic it's yes. world is the scale of this world but the but the the real human stakes within there are are not small but they're just human size you know what i mean right. and they mean everything um so yeah i mean it can be done it totally can be done they don't need to, it doesn't it's just the big mistake of hollywood that that it seems that like everything has to be gigantic for it to work i i like yes. and it's sort of i think uh, it's it, again, you know, people say the influence of the dark Knight, but it's all taking the wrong influence, the superficial darkness and, and missing the, the, the point. Anyhow, that's a little bit off track. I did want to talk about quickly the inevitability of, of, um, storytelling or at least prequels and things like that. And, you know, I think, uh, there's this great quote from, and I'm not, I'm going to have to paraphrase it, but from Damon Lindelof that basically says pre- prequels are pointless because, you know, you know, the outcome. So, um, what's the, what's the point of the story, right? Like, you know how it's going to end. And I suppose that's true on a superficial level, but I've seen a zillion world war two movies and I know what's going to happen there, but because of the human scale and the human stakes there, 
I might even know about a specific battle and how that turns out. And maybe I'll even know that the people died at the end of it. But it doesn't matter if you're telling your story correctly. And if you have yep. human stakes and you have human scale and and these things are matter, right? So like I don't buy that 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 prequels uh, are inherently poor or bad or or uh, uh, misconceived because of um, you know the the conclusion. I, we've seen a zillion movies where we know what the conclusion is, and oh yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't affect them if they're well told, I'll, right? I'll, yeah, I'll counter that. I'll counter that argument right now with the recent Planet of the Apes movies. Like we know what happens to to Earth. Mm-hmm. We, we know what happens at the end. Um, but those movies, the the three newer ones, are so yeah. so extremely well made and well told that it doesn't really matter. Like the stakes with these characters are interesting. These characters are interesting. And so when I meant when I said earlier that um, when I said earlier that we don't need to know the sort of like Muppet Babies version of these characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I stand by that. There's still there could be a good story to be told, but if it's going to be like the you know, episodes one, two, and three, where it's just sort of like the bullet points of like, okay, here's when he was a kid. Okay, here's when he was an angsty teenager. Oh, he's Darth that's Vader just, now. That's just, that's just bad storytelling. Yeah, it's bad storytelling. I, you know what? I, there's a great story to be told. I think, in in fact, um, the prequels are inherently a great story. They're so poorly told, but but it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a gigantic Greek t- tragedy. It's the story of a guy who was the chosen one who fell off his path. You know what I mean? It's it's a tragedy about this guy who was almost he, he was almost like a, a Christ-like figure. It, I mean, you could boil it down to like uh uh Jesus falling prey to, to to Satan. You know what I mean? Totally. And 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 uh and and losing his way. Um and and uh it's like the 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 the, the basics, the fundamentals of that story to me are fantastic and it could have been told in the Shakespearean way and it could have ended in this like just just soul crushing kind of tragedy of like what went wrong with this guy who is you know supposed to be the embodiment of 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 good and um yeah there's an amazing story to be told I kind of want that story to be retold like to someone to to like you know how like there's movies where like this is a loose interpretation of Macbeth I want someone to do like a like a a loose interpretation of the prequels and and make a a, a movie about that. I think and that's, I mean, it's it's kind of been done, I'm sure. But like sure. It, there's there's you could you could set it in any period in any kind of thing. You could set it in in New York and and it could be about you know some policeman who is supposed to be the greatest thing who falls to corruption. Like I there's a there's a zillion things that you could do with that. It's so rich. And and then you think about what how the prequels were, and you he just fucking shit the bed. <laughs> oh, big time! Well, that again, it came from the bad bad storytelling, like you said. Those basic fundamentals, sure, are great, but the movies had to be overstuffed with spectacle and with all these other subplots and side stories and all these other ca- yeah, like the human yeah. element was just squeezed out of those. Oh movies. yeah, there's and, there's no soul in those movies. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're pretty pretty unbearable to to watch and so yeah. um yeah so they just they just mess that up but i i do agree yeah sure there's an interesting story to be told it just wasn't told correctly and, and yeah there, and therefore we just get the sort of like the sort of uh, uh cole's the uh, cliff notes version yeah cliff, say, i was gonna say carbon copy but yeah cliff notes is a better better uh representation of of what we got and so and yeah. then and then it makes it just it, less interesting because then you just have a like a checklist Absolutely. of of Absolutely. all these things so yeah. Yeah. hopefully 
you know, maybe, maybe that's what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to, I know the word retconning gets thrown around a lot these days, but maybe they're going to do something like that with the, with the Obi-Wan movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think we can both agree that we don't want to see, we know what kind of Star Wars movie we want to see. And we know the, the, the Star Wars movie we don't want to see. Like, I think I don't want to get too much off tangent. I know there's other things we want to talk about, but like Rogue One, um, I was just talking about this with Kevin the other day. There's sort of a great movie in there somewhere. I'm I'm still very mixed on it. Um, I love the idea that they're telling a story within that universe and There's they're using the characters. Good, good elements in that movie. I actually just rewatched yeah. it uh, the other day to test this. Uh, new TV and um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of good stuff in that movie. Um, there I, is. I think ultimately it doesn't work for me quite because the reshoots make it really, really clunky and the emotional beats when they really need to work don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels a little bit uh, choppy and clipped up and and it doesn't it doesn't flow in the way it should. But there's some great ideas in there and you know I, I did like the the idea that it butts right up against um, the very ending, the beginning of A New Hope, like. You don't need to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. I and I hope this one. I hope this one. You don't need to do that. And I hope it's sort of. Um, I, I hope it's not done specifically because of the age thing. Unless they all of a sudden just try and age, uh, whoever it is if you and McGregor up and make him really old. All of a sudden, that's oh, the yeah. funny thing though. Like Obi Wan is the, has like you know, uh, he's the he's he's aged the 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 poorest, the worst of all. Uh, of all the Star Wars characters ever because, you know, he goes from like, let's say a 40 year old um, uh, or a 30 year old Ewan McGregor in, uh, in, uh, you 18 know, years um, to a 70 year old. Yeah, Alec yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's aged so poorly. The heat is just so brutal on Tatooine in this desert. It's just ravaged him and he's just become this ancient old man <laughs> in eight within exactly. span of 18 years. Well, we could probably move on here in a second, but now, now you've expressed a total fear uh, with this movie because I, uh, we, you know, with the ending of Rogue One, that the ending of this movie is going to be like a, a de-aged uh, Mark Hamill and uh, getting attacked by some Tuscan Raiders, and then oh, the God. hoods just hoods just going to come off and then cut credits. Uh, that would be that like that's my greatest fear. Is that no? That you know what? Thing? It'll be something like what they think is kind of poetic but is actually kind of lame because you just don't connect them. You know, just, you don't need to do that. And it'll be like, you know, the shot of Luke Skywalker staring up at the two sons, like that kind of iconic shot and the music, like the yeah. star Wars theme goes up Luke's theme. Uh, like, you know, they'll, they could do something like that where like, it's the two sons, Obi-Wan looking over the farm and the same music. And, and then sort of like, you know, what comes next. Yeah. Absolutely. So hopefully, and I, and I suppose that could be poetic in some way, but it's like I just don't want to see it. I just like you guys could tell, you guys can tell other stories. Yeah, I, I think I think that's our long-winded way of just you know I think that's a good spot to end it because by the end of this we just we just want to see different stories set in this universe. Like the universe itself is really vast and interesting. So let's let's tell yeah. some new, let's tell some new stories. Yeah, man. What else out there that's uh, interesting? Oh, you know what? Uh, have you heard about some of the Batman stuff that's happening lately or the Justice League? <laughs> I have heard some of it. I mean, you know, it's it's tough because it's all it's all speculation and all rumors. So it's really like hard to take anything at face value. But I, right, I've, right, I've heard. Right. right, right. But I but I've heard that a couple things. I've heard the first cut of the movie is unwatchable. Um so I've yeah, heard that. Like, there's so much <laughs> speculation there. Let, let's pretend that that's just 
fake news or whatever. Sure, I agree. I, right, then we've right. heard that uh, Casey Affleck has come out and said that that Ben Affleck is is going to going to drop after Justice League that he'll no longer be Batman. Uh, which the, which we all kind of assume is going to happen anyhow. I think so. Like we, you and I talked about this on a previous episode. You know, he's an Oscar winning director. He's pulled himself out of um tabloid hell uh you know for the last decade you know he doesn't he doesn't need any of this bs so if, yeah. if the movies are bad he's out it's just the way yeah it works. you know well it's not also that you, you know what it is he's out no matter how these great these films are it's just a matter of when you know That's he's true. got he, he wants to do other things justice league could be incredibly well received then he'll probably do the batman maybe if that one's super well received he'd think about doing another one but his contract is up after the batman he he really wants to just move on and direct his own movies and get back to his sort of critically acclaimed career. I just that's like I feel it in my bones. So he's leaving. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um. But so uh, Casey's right. Even if people said like, oh, he was just joking or whatever, because he just sort of does a little backpedal there for a second. Mm-hmm. Um. But what's interesting to me is is this sort of. Um, and it's sort of the really I just want to get it because it's more character stuff. And it's sort of the thing that really, really gets in my craw about Justice League and the DC universe and stuff is that, you know, Ben Affleck or Ben Affleck was, was saying, um, you know, this in the Justice League, he, you're, you're going to see a Batman that's more the traditional Batman, the one that you've seen from the comic books, whatever that means, because it's pretty that's pretty broad. But um, it's just like kind of. It's uh, it's frustrates me because it's a complete about face from the Batman you saw in Batman versus Superman. And it sort of shows how they're just willing to do absolutely anything to get back in the favor of the fans. It's like this one's going to be a lot more humor. It's going to be light toned, you know, because everybody hated the last film. So then they have to sort of do this course correct. And it's kind of like they just have no conviction. They're just going to do whatever, yeah. whatever it is the fans they vaguely think the fans want that bothers so, me so so absolutely much. Uh, there's, there's there's zero convictions in, in in what the what they set up and what they're doing they're doing an about face and what's worse if you really really think about it the batman in that movie is supposed to be they're, they're taking it from the dark knight the, returns the, the, the right the, the frank older, miller yep the older grizzled i'm over this shit i'm killing right. people batman the one who right. beats superman to death basically exactly and who is essentially he is militant. He is anti-immigration. He's anti-alien. He's just – you remember the one part when he says, look, and he says it in such a, a militant fascist way. He says there's there's even a 1 percent chance that this this alien is – you know we have to essentially get rid of him. We have to annihilate him. He is a fascist in that movie. Yes. He is just in – he is – and you know even Alfred is – is uh, uh uh you know like dude calm down what's your problem kind of thing he's he's fascistic he's he's militant he's old and w- w- world wary he's just had enough he comes back for this one thing because he's terrified of superman and what could mean to the world and then next week he's a traditional batman from the batman comics i i, like, I don't like that especially because like look 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 people uh if, if you're if you're listening to this and I, i've said this before and i think you agree uh also Batman vs Superman was a failure because it's a jumbled mess. It was not a failure because of the the t- I mean the tone might have been wrong, but it wasn't because strictly because it was dark. It was because it's a jumbled mess. If yeah. it was dark and done correctly, it's sort of like you with Rogue One like you just said. Like I watch Batman vs Superman, I don't hate the movie, but it frustrates the hell out of me because I watch it, I go, I see the great movie in here. I see the great movie this movie could be and just isn't. 
Yeah, it's but, funny, you know, like what we're talking about is kind of like the takeaways. The takeaways are always wrong. Hollywood takeaways. Yes, yeah. See, that's the thing. They're like, oh, people want it to be lighter. People want it to be fun. Like, Nolan's movies were dark and existential and, like, dealt with a lot of heavy themes. And this movie just does it on a superficial level, but it wasn't because of the darkness. It was because it didn't earn its darkness. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, people saying, oh, audiences are, are – are, uh, um, they're tired of dark and, 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 you know, and whatever. They're tired of dark films. No, they're not. They're not tired of any films. They just want good films. You know what I mean? If it's light tone, dark tone, doesn't matter. If the film yeah. is good, the audience will go with it. Absolutely. But like, People like – look at Wonder Woman's success. People overall liked that movie, and it was rewarded. It was rewarded because people thought it was good. Um, yeah, so. that's all it is to it. The ta- Hollywood takeaways are just insane. They just, they're just such lowest common denominator takeaways, and they missed the point – and uh, um, yeah, like darkness for dark sakes is pointless. Light touch for light sakes is, is pointless. You've got to tell your stories correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. That's really all it breaks down. And so, yeah, yeah that's that's my biggest, uh, uh, you know, issue I have with this. Like, especially like all the footage I've seen for this. Like, like, you know, I I've I've read. You know, I didn't read a lot of comics as a kid, but I read a lot of Batman. Like, I'm a huge Batman fan. I would like nothing more. <laughs> to come out of justice league and be like, they did it. Like they, they made it good. They made it awesome. But the fact that there is a movie coming out with Batman in it, and I couldn't give more of a flying fuck about it is just like kind of depressing <laughs> to, to right. me. Um, but I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see when the movie comes out, but yeah, it just seems so reactionary. Everything in the trailer, like now he's cracking jokes. Like, yeah, it's a good point about the fascism that he brought to Batman versus Superman. Like he's this, absolute vigilante he's branding people so that they could be killed in prison and then he's just like cracking jokes with aquaman like it's the dumbest thing ever and and you know what that the the take from from uh uh batman versus superman that take that we're discussing it's great you know why because it has a take because it has a conviction because it's a a, like i'm going to 100 percent. this is what my character is like now the execution of that is really bad. Yes, it's not agreed. a good movie. But he had a vision. But the for, I, exactly yeah. there is a vision there. That idea of like this guy's going to be a fascist. That's great. I've never seen that in a comic book movie, really. You know, yeah, that's a great take. The problem with it is the execution's bad, and then the studio just goes, "Well, people didn't like that Batman." No, they just didn't like the execution. Like, again, the point is missed. Time after time after time, it's just so frustrating. I agree, one hundred percent. I think I think we're in the same boat on this one. It's like a cinema sin. <laughs> ah, that's a good segue. Speaking uh, of cinema sins, Rod. Um, uh, <laughs> so I'm sure you've heard about this like massive uh, war that uh, Kong Skull Island director Jordan Vogt Roberts has declared on uh, on cinema sins. Uh, for those of you who don't know, who cinema sins is they're a channel on YouTube. They make these about 15 to 20 minute videos that just sort of they they mention little things that are wrong with a particular movie and they have a little sin counter on the top corner. Um, they did one for Kong Skull Island recently and Jordan Voke Roberts, the director of that film uh, was not having it took like a massive Twitter thread out to say that, you know, these, these guys are, are not funny. He's like, I'm, I'm all for people creatively constructing a movie or like breaking it down. Uh, you know, he praised honest trailers in the process. He praised red letter media in that process, but just think cinema sins is nitpicky and uh i think he called them the uh seltzer and friedberg of youtube channels uh which i find (laughs) which i find incredibly amusing um 
You know, I think it goes back to, to what we're talking about. Like uh, what what Vote Roberts did there is it's a it's just a takedown. But when you get down to the heart of it, he's just saying this is poorly done. This is the execution of this is bad. Yeah. And I think that's a valid like whether or not their points are valid, um, which I'm sure, you know, a blind squirrel finds a nut eventually. I'm sure they've made some valid points <laughs> on their on their show. But in the the glib, like snarky way that they present that uh, execution, it's it's really lazy. It's lazy. Even the person's voice, uh, whoever does it, I you know I don't have that information. But whoever does it, just it just comes across as lazy and poorly done. Yeah, I mean they're they're just kind of unbearable to watch, <laughs> and and I guess you know it's nitpicking, but it's it's just like. Yeah, uh, it's just so – it's not funny. It's not uh, – there's not good observations there. Like, you know, like Jordan said, um, the uh, uh, Honest Trailers and and uh, uh, Red Letter Media, at least they have like a sense of, you know, humor. They don't take themselves so seriously. I think they have a good satirical idea of like what's wrong with these films. Uh, but it's not like – you know, it's not like the – Cinema Sins is just like it's just bad. It's just like there's like, hey, that guy there uh, didn't have the knife in that shot. You know, actually, I, I watched this thing, which was also sort of unbearable. But there was a guy who did a takedown of Cinema Sins and the way they take down things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like everything was wrong with the, everything's wrong critique of what everything's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but he did a video that basically mocked them and sort of like showed their clips and then he'd be like, no, actually, it's like the no actually of you know, no, actually, oh, um, God. <laughs> and, and, and it was bad, but, uh, no, well, it was just annoying because it was just more of the same, but it was done on purpose. It was knowingly done. Like, it's not like he was sort of just trying to like illustrate how absurd cinema sense is. And then he would sort of nitpick the nitpickers. I mean, it was consciously done to sort of, you know, yeah. it's not like he was being dead serious about it, but he did point out like some of the just ridiculous things that they were and and sort of like they would be like you know this shot he's got a knife no one ever saw it and he'd go actually and then he cuts these two shots this shot is where the character sees a knife and then in this shot they see it again so you know what i mean it's just things like that but right um it was sort of uh half amusing yeah no i have to i'll have to check that video out uh if i have time to but yeah it just it just seems it, it takes the enjoyment out of a movie like like if you're just like I feel like that sort of breeds a certain generation, maybe the one like a generation more up to watch uh, YouTube videos like this to watch movies with that sort of like nitpicky mentality. And I think that's a bad thing. I, I mean, I think like, you know, the, the cinematic language should allow you to go with some things to be able to like, let some things go and not have to like put every single thing under a microscope. And so I, I just think that point of view is like, how, how do you even enjoy a movie? if that's the the way you're going to watch it. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I never really paid much attention to cinema since I'd seen it. I, but I, I didn't, I didn't take it that seriously, but it's interesting that Jordan sort of like, you know, uh, had this big sort of uh, takedown on, on Twitter and it caused a lot of noise. And I, and I think it, I think some people would say it brought too much attention to cinema sins, but I, and I'm usually like ignore the things that you shouldn't bring attention to, but I, I disagree on this point, uh, on this, in this, uh, area. I think that 
I think he's brought up because I think people do like Cinema Sins, or at least there is an audience for it. And I think he's going to make some people realize and go like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he's got a good point there. Maybe I shouldn't be watching this because it's kind of dumb. Yeah, no, I hope I hope that comes from it. And yeah, people, if they're going to watch, you know, stuff, stuff like that on on YouTube, that they're watching things that are actually constructive or at least funny and like, you know, dry humor without us like ounce of pretension to them like like we've mentioned like honest trailers like like red letter media like red letter media just put out a a a mr plinkett review for the 2016 ghostbusters uh which i was worried for a second because i'm like oh no uh is this gonna get to you know because that character that that they portray is supposed to be like uh, making fun of like the armchair critics and so i was like "Uh uh-oh are they gonna like you know touch on the the gender bent or anything like that and they Mm -hmm. didn't like they were really just like they were it was done in its sarcastic like mocking of that type of critic way but also like quick to point out like why that movie didn't fundamentally work as a movie itself which was you know which is refreshing where it is like you know like we said sends will just be like this doesn't work this doesn't work this doesn't or this and it's like well that's not really constructive that's just being nitpicky right well awesome well i think i think that covers a lot of the news for uh, this week, uh, thanks for logging on and chatting. I know it's been a while since we've done one of these, so it's uh, good to get back on mic and 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 discuss what's going on in the the film world. Definitely, let's connect soon. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, talk soon. Talk soon. Find this and all other playlist podcast shows, including adjust your tracking, binge worthy, and over under movies on theplaylist.net. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave us a comment or a rating if you feel so inclined. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.